You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Listening to Rum Buncher Radio. We're back. Baseball, still not quite yet, but things are looking promising as we join you again tonight. Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, along with Trey Yanity here. Guys, it's been a little bit. I know you guys have had feet of snow at this point. The Steelers season has come to an end, along with the uh, career of Ben Roethlisberger in baseball, like I said, of course. Still not back in session, but the Pirates still able to do some stuff. Signing international prospects, along with making some uh, advancements in their staff down in the minor league ranks and some other moves as well. We're going to talk about it all tonight, but guys, before we do that, how are you guys doing? It's been a little bit. Marty, you want to get us started? Yeah, you know, not too bad. I'm pretty sick and tired of shoveling snow, but it comes with the territory this time of year in western Pennsylvania. Um, <clears throat> you know, we got in my house the snowstorm last weekend. We got 16 inches. Um, we've gotten two more so far tonight with like another two to three coming. So, you know, great stuff. But yeah, no, not not too bad, not too bad. I can't complain. Yeah, I mean, Marty, that's definitely one thing. You know, when I left UPJ, Pajonstown <laughs> up there, um, you know, not that we still got plenty of snow outside here, but it's definitely a different world up in Johnstown um, than what we have down here towards the city. But overall, yeah, it's been you know typical winter months. You know, just trying to grind through these days and. You know, you wake up, it's dark, and you get home from work, and it's dark, basically. So it's not the best, but, you know, it is it is what it is, and it'd be nice to have some baseball news to help, you know, pass the time. But, you know, here we are, uh, episode 74, and this is what we're, uh, you know, we'll see what we can get going here. Yeah, no doubt about it. I record each episode from somewhere in the southeast, usually Alabama, sometimes South Carolina. I usually – you know, wish I was closer to the ballpark, closer to Pennsylvania, but this time of the year, I certainly um, am glad I'm down here. I feel bad for you guys with all the snow, but I hope the shoveling is going along pretty quick. Maybe build a snowman on the way out or something here, but good to hear that you guys are staying warm at least and uh, keeping 
chugging along through this offseason. The Pirates, like I said, still able to do some things. They were signing international prospects last week. Is I'm just going to kind of go down the list here. And guys, in our article for this episode, we're going to list out all of these players as well. But let's start by talking about these guys. Tony Blanco Jr., Axel Plaz, Huling Chang, Peterson Rosa, Yordani uh, De Los Santos, Daje Morales, Eduardo Oviedo, Alexi Torres, Carlos Tirando, Dermis Ordonez, Christopher Orlen, Isaac Paulino, Ronnie Aguilar, Angel Rodriguez, Alberto Sada, Hader Blanco, Angel Camaco, Jaren de la Paz, and Richard Ramirez, a long list of guys, and, you know, certainly some big talent at the top. Tony Blanco's kind of been the, the main prospect, uh, the number one prospect as far as rankings go, and a guy that they got for under a million dollars. Let's talk about Blanco to start, and some of these other guys that have really got you excited uh, with the Pirates International Prospects this year. Nick, you want to lead it off with this one? Yeah, um, Blanco, you know, that was kind of a late signing. You know, for a while he was projected to sign uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays, and, you know, something kind of fell through there. I'm not 100% sure, haven't really, you know, looked into it that much. Uh, you know, if I had to guess the money that he was looking for and that the Rays had to spend was no longer there. And so the next best offer for him was the Pirates, most likely, which, hey, whatever works out. Uh, we probably got arguably the the top power projected 16-year-old um, on the market. Um, you know, and that's one thing that the Pirates system that every Pirate fan knows that we, we need. We need more power bats, uh, more projectable power. Uh, so – that's definitely what you're getting in him. You're looking at a corner player, probably right field, left field at best. Um, you know, he's a pretty big guy already. So, you know, we'll see. But overall, to get him at the signing bonus they, they did, you got to like that. Uh, just the overall, you know, signing, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, you know, but to me, the Blanco thing, like you said, it definitely was a surprise. Um, I mean, these kids can't officially sign until January 15th. But like you said, Nick, usually two, three, four, sometimes even more than that months in advance, you know where these guys are going. I um, mean, you look at your Donnie De Los Santos, for example, the second highest right. player to Pirates sign. It's been, what, almost a calendar year now that everyone expected the Pirates to sign him, something like that. And so, it was the same for Shaylen Palanca last year. Yeah, it, it's it's – like we said, even though these guys can't sign until that date, you usually know well in advance where they're going to go. And with with Blanco, like you said, it was projected to the Rays the whole way. And the news broke on Baseball America, what, I think like three or four days before signing day that the Pirates now look like the favorites to sign him. And yep. I, to me, what surprised me the most, I think, was the price. Getting him for under a million dollars is probably a real steal. Now, like you said, Nick, he's extremely limited defensively which probably factored into that. But by the time this kid gets to the majors, I mean, hell, the, the National League's probably going to have the designated hitter the next time there's a baseball game played, let alone by the time he gets to the majors. So you can always stick him there. And, you know, for, for as good and deep and talented as the Pirate farm system is, like you said, one thing they still need is more power potential, and they definitely just added a whole bunch of that in Blanco. I mean, this is a kid he's already, what, I think like 6'5", 240. Um, he's only going to continue to fill out more. You get him in a good professional strength and conditioning and nutrition program and the kid's going to pack on quality weight quality muscle it's going to add more power and could very possibly be a 40 to 45 
a year home run guy, you know, seven, eight years down the road for the Pirates. He looks like a monster. I mean, Cody Duncan, our one of our staff writers, I think put it as a, a Ford F-150. The dude is going to be a tank, no doubt about it. Um, you know, we'll see defensively if he can make those improvements. You guys mentioned it. You're, you're Donnie De Los Santos, really. Pirates have had an eye on him for quite some time now. Is there anybody in this group that – anybody else – that really surprised you in this group, you know, maybe one of these guys that was another late signing or, you know, was the rest of this group kind of chalky for the pirates this year? Um, I overall thought they put together a solid class. It seems like, you know, across the board, they received, you know, positive reviews for their uh, international class. This is something we've seen this you know, whether it is the new regime or the new, you know, I keep the new head of scouting, but Junior Vizca, you know, he's been in charge now for a few years um, since Rene Gaia was forced out. But, you know, they've really started to put together, you know, a lot more quality international groups. I think seeing them put together a group of 19 um, already for this signing class is also very telling that, you know, there is a lot of guys in this class they like. Um, you know, it's a they've brought in a couple big international classes already. So uh, it seems like they're trying to very much filter these prospects, you know, through the pipeline, get as many talents in here as they can and see who look, you know, someone that looks like they can develop. And like you said, I think looking at some of the, the other players they got, um, Aviedo, the outfielder is definitely a high upside bat who, you know, looks looks like he could be the type of prospect that we eventually see, you know, in, in, in the top 30, top 20 type lists that, you know, we're accustomed to seeing. So he's definitely one of those lesser names from the big from the big two there uh, to watch. Yeah, Marty, your thoughts really overall in this class and just kind of where the Pirates rank throughout the rest of baseball. Yeah, you know, one of the guy I really like, I'm very intrigued by, um, is Hungling Kang, the pitcher they signed out of Taiwan. Um, I know he got a pretty hefty signing bonus, I think it was like five hundred thousand or so. So obviously the Pirates see something in him that they like a lot, and I think that that is very much an untapped pipeline potentially for Major League Baseball. Is still Southeast Asia. Um, we have seen a lot of talented players come out of that area over the years. But we don't see it see in the world baseball classic too. That's what I'm saying. But you yeah. don't see these guys. And I, I get in Southeast Asia, it's a lot different than say the Caribbean, for example, because you have the Korean baseball organization, you have the Nippon League in Japan, you have other professional leagues over there where guys have other options. Um, <clears throat> but it's always great to dip into there and potentially start to lay some roots there. You know, make connections, things of that nature in that part of the world where there is very clearly a lot of talented baseball players. So you can <clears throat> make the connections needed to hopefully bring some more of those guys to the pirate organization. And while we're on the topic of where these guys are going to be ranked, one thing I do want to mention, because I can already see the people freaking out on this. You got to remember these are 16 year old kids for as highly touted as they are. You're looking two to three years away before you really see them start to pop up on prospect rankings. Um, so don't panic when, you know, you have rankings coming out the next year or two, and you're not seeing these guys in their top 10, top 20, top 30. They're not even going to get a lot of the bats and a lot of playing time in the States these next two to three years. It's all going to be about developmental stuff. So just keep that in mind whenever, you know, you have midseason and postseason rankings coming out. 
later this year and you're not seeing these guys on there, that's not a sign of anything negative whatsoever. It's a sign of it's a 16-year-old kid who has a hell of a lot of development left to do. And, you know, Marty, to touch back on one of your other points there about, you know, this is the second time that we've seen them sign a player from Taiwan in the last few years. His son, middle infielder, um, uh, Sang, I don't want to mess up his name, but his last name is Chang. He uh, actually tore up the Colombian Winter League this year. He was on the uh, championship winning team there and played a big part. So, you know, like you said, this seems like maybe an area that, Ben Charrington's thinking, you know, for, for a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates, like, hey, we need we need to invest in this area because other teams aren't, and we might be able to, you know, find a couple major league ball players from here and kind of get ahead of the curve, like you said, before other teams start, you know, really starting to focus more on that area. Puyu Chen as well, um, another – prospect i know pirate folk are very excited about and very high on that as a taiwanese native i mean it's really you know over the years it's kind of been an, an untapped market like you said and i think asia in general is just continuing to explode in the game of baseball will craig had to find out the hard way this past summer but I, you know i think the pirates could certainly use that as um you know a, a stopping grounds for the future like you said starting those connections now with this regime is incredibly important. Really excited to see kind of the future of, of where this all goes. But I thought it was, like you guys said, a very productive international signing period this year for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Again, Tony Blanco, your Donnie De Los Santos, uh, Hongling Chang, some of the guys highlighting that group. But overall, an excellent class of international signings. The Pirates making two moves in the minor league ranks as well. All they're able to now is the big league players, of course, still locked out. But Kieran Madison and Miguel Perez both promoted within the minor leagues. Uh, Perez promoted from double A AA to triple A. Madison from single A to double A. What are you guys' thoughts on these two promotions, these two guys, and you know just kind of how things are going down in the minor league ranks? Everybody's winning, and it seems like everybody's getting uh, promotions as well. Yeah, I really like the move, uh, Perez up to triple A. Um, that double A team last year was, you know, by all accounts, a pretty special team to watch. Um, for us, just in terms of the amount of pure talent that was on that team, I think we had like six of our top 30 prospects or something like that in the lineup. Um, you know, every night you saw clips of guys just launching homers into, um, you know, the curve roller coaster out there. So, you know, overall, I think you got to give him a lot of credit because he helped a lot of these players, especially a guy like Rodolfo Castro you know, who kind of ha- was more raw upside and even O'Neill Cruz to an extent uh, who was coming off of a very, you know, tough year before that um, just in terms of on and off the field. So for him to be able to kind of bring that group together and get those players to play to their potential, uh, you, you got to like that. So moving them up to triple A and getting him, you know, at that top level where we're going to start to see some of our top prospects uh, accumulate there, uh, you got to, I think it's a great move. Yeah, no, I agree. Like you said, you move them up, all the success they had last year at double A. And, you know, a lot of those guys are going to be this year at triple A now. So that'll help with the transition for them as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, you look at the start of the season, you got to imagine most likely O'Neill Cruz and Rowan Z. Contreras both start to year at triple A. So, you know, having him around guys like that and, you know, Diego Castillo could be there. Travis Swaggerty could be there. Carmen Majinski could be there. 
by the end of the year, you could see guys like Nick Gonzalez or Michael Burroughs potentially being there. So it, it's, it's good to see them move guys up and not just for the familiarity, not just to keep things consistent, but one thing that seemed to happen with the Neil Huntington regime was there would be guys who would have success like that and be let go, not, not moved up in the organization, but a lot of times let go. And oh, it was infuriating. Like, I, I can't think of his name, but who was the manager for the curve? They won the East only title. Yeah. And got fired. Yeah. Like, like, why? He like, he went, like the back-to-back championships. Yeah. <laughs> the one year they lost, it was because the Yankees had like Pettit. Because they had Andy Pettit like, pitching the league games. Yeah. In the league championship series. <laughs> and he's like out there mowing guys down. But, yeah. And it's like, you look at some of those curve teams, not to get off topic here, but like those curve teams back then, you know, it was a lot of guys who played big roles in the 2013, 14, and 15 Pirates. It's like, all right, you develop them, you won championships them in the minors, you help them learn how to win in the minors. Now we're gonna get get rid of you. And like, it just it never made sense. So it is good to see guys. That made sense looking back with that. I mean, this is, this is very true, but it's good to see guys rewarded for having success and to see the organization. I mean, I'm sure other organizations want these guys if they're having success. Other people are gonna come after them. So it's good. It's good to see also the pirate organization step up with the financial commitments that it could take to keep these guys around also. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, success in the minor leagues, I think for, especially for organizations like the pirates is, is incredibly important. I mean, developing, you know, this crop of players for what Ben Sherrington has established here is going to be super important. Great to see these guys having success and, he said a, a fresh breath there. This is not something that we saw with the last regime. You know, we, we saw a lot of things different with that last group. And, you know, it's just really, a, I think, a breath of fresh air to kind of see how everything's being managed at this point all the way down, even with this international signing strategy. Some of these guys and some of the deals been able to work out. Um, you know, it's all trending in the right direction. Baseball right now trending in a direction. We heard today as we record on Monday, January the 24th, that things are beginning to move a little bit more. The players proposed uh, their first proposal to the owners today after the owners last week sent in their proposal. From what we've heard, they're going to be meeting again tomorrow, and hopefully um, you know, we're going to see some movement here soon. But what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, what what do you guys see happening in these next few days? And you know, as far as the timeline of spring training and you know, potential opening day, what's, what's the course right now for baseball? Mark, do you want to get us started here? Yeah, to be honest with you, this is kind of following exactly the path I expected it to follow for, you know, the months leading up to the lockout, let alone the lockout beginning. You always knew there was going to be a lockout. You always knew it was going to be ugly. There's there's always been bad blood for a few years now between the Players Association and the owners and all the COVID stuff made it even worse. Um, that said, I never anticipated them to miss regular season games. I've always felt once we got to mid to late January where we are now, and spring trains right around the corner and the possibility of losing money really started to become more realistic. You'd see talk start to pick up. You'd see both sides start to, you know, agree a little bit more, both sides kind of drop some of the demands, which is what we saw today. Um, for example, it was reported by Jeff Passan and company that the players association has dropped the demand of players reaching free agency after six years. So, you know, the fact that a, we see the players association, start to negotiate more and B we're going to see them meet again tomorrow is a great sign. Um, I mean, bold by tomorrow, it's 
currently 10 o'clock on Monday night. So by the time you're listening to this, that meeting probably has already taken place or is currently taking place on Tuesday. But yeah, the, the fact you're starting to see both sides. Now, obviously the owners are also going to have to do the same thing. Like the players did with dropping some of their demands and some of their requests, but the sides are starting to talk. Pitchers and catchers should be reporting in what, 15 to 20 days or so. Probably not going to report on time, but I still will be very surprised if opening day does not take place on time. We might get, some sort of abbreviated spring training, but I still will be surprised if opening day is not on time. Yeah. So I agree with you, Marty. I think they're going to be probably reporting, you know, if not on time, like relatively within the same, you know, spring training timeline that we would see. Um, It seems like the players union wants this, you know, they're the first ones to move. So often, you know, that's kind of telling about where the two sides are at. The players uh, being the first ones to start dropping demands could be viewed as, you know, not necessarily a good thing for by the players union, but that's another discussion. Um, you know, we'll see what kind of new rules and deals we get out of the CBA. But I, I'm a little worried that if these – talks do pick up that maybe not as much will get resolved as, as we are hoping for. Yeah. The more more these two sides bend and, you know, drop some of their um, demands, then I I feel like chances are the more likely we're, we're going to see something closer to what we already have. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, My, my big hope, I think the, the, the two things I want to see change most that I think are realistic, um, other than the universal DH, I think that's a given. I think anyone will tell you that we, anybody would agree the universal DH is going to be a given here. Outside of the universal DH, the two most realistic changes I really want to see are changing the service time rules. Not that teams control the players for less amount of time, but get rid of super two, just make, find something universal across the board there and get rid of the service time manipulation stuff. Like don't force a player to have to be in the minor leagues for the first 20 days of the season in order for the team to get next year or control or whatever it is. Allow these guys to be able to crack the opening day roster without it essentially penalizing the team in the long run. Um, By doing that, everybody benefits. These guys get to the majors sooner, so they're going to make more money but the teams in, in turn are going to be able to make more money off these players because they get more time for them in the majors. You know, look at the Pirates, for example. Let's say well, – It's that, like what you said earlier. Yeah, let's say this yeah. year on opening day, Ronzi Contreras is on the mound, Travis Swaggerty is in left field, and O'Neill Cruz is at shortstop to go with Cabrian Hayes a third and Brian Not Reynolds. Yeah, you're going to have a lot more people interested in that game because, like, you know what? Hey, this team might not be good this year yet, but that's what – four building blocks in our starting eight and Contreras is our potential future ace on the mound. People are going to want to come out and see that on top of that. It's, it's just putting the best team on the field too. team organizations will be able to put the, you know, their, their best, their most quality product, hopefully on the field for each season, rather than, you know, what we saw in 2020 with our team. I mean, one thing with that too, I remember Neil Huntington used to say this all the time. And it drove people insane, me included a bit, looking at it from a GM's point of view, I understood where he's coming. He always used to say, your 25 best players 
may not be your best 25 man roster. And that's the kind of stuff he was getting at was, you know, look at 2013, for example, when that team left spring training, Garrett Cole was undoubtedly one of their five best starting pitchers, but because of the service time rules, the pirates couldn't afford to have him on the opening day roster. You know, the same applied to Gregory Polanco in 2014. And that's an, and you talk about trying to make baseball more competitive. We're never going to get the salary cap that's truly needed to make that happen. But this is one way you can help small market teams close that gap. Also, you know, if small market teams can have their top tier prospects that are major league ready or close to break the season on the roster, especially in a year where those small market teams are looking to compete, that goes a long way. I mean, again, to go back to the 2013 Pirates, for example, they lost the division by what? I think one game to the Cardinals. If Garrett Cole is able to start that season on the roster, they probably win at least one more extra game, you know, and, and that's just one of those things where the way I look at it, everybody's going to benefit. The players are going to benefit because they get to the majors quicker and can make more money. And the owners and front office are going to benefit because, well, yes, they may have to pay these guys a little bit more money. It increases the quality of their team. And like we've said, it's going to put more butts in seats. And in turn, they're going to make more money. So it's all going to kind of be a wash in the end anyway. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, it just, you know, all, all, all signs point in a positive direction with a service time update. And like you said, you know, for the smaller market teams like the Pirates, it would be incredible to get to watch O'Neill Cruz and, you know, some of these guys get their chance on opening day and start the season out with the Pirates. Where I'm at, you know, I'm surrounded by Braves fans. On the last day of the season, I was glued to my laptop, you know, getting to watch O'Neill Cruz for at bat number four, five, six, whatever. You know, a lot of fans may not understand that, but at this point in the rebuild, you know, getting to see these young guys from the jump, I think would go a long way. Like you said, Marty, you know, a cap and other things could really be beneficial to the Pirates to kind of, you know, fix some of these equalities in baseball. Is there anything else that you think is being talked about right now or anything that you could see, you know, coming in this new CBA that could really help eliminate some of these inequalities and, you know, kind of make baseball easier on the small markets like the Pirates? I mean, well, I don't know if this necessarily makes things easier for small market teams. I, I wouldn't completely rule out a salary floor. Um, I don't think we're ever going to get a cap. And I have said this a million times to people, and a lot of people still don't want to hear it, but it's still true. A salary floor does nothing without a salary cap. Um, and vice versa, I think. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, let's say we get a salary floor. Great. Guess what? The Dodgers, the Yankees the Red Sox, the Braves, the Cardinals, they're still going to spend everybody. They still have the most money. It's not going to matter. Um, now, I will say with the salary floor, I think it definitely one area where I could see that potentially benefiting smaller market teams is there might then be more incentive for them to try and lock guys up long-term. Um, if you're going to have to spend $100, $110 million a year no matter what, then if you give – let's say you give Brian Reynolds a seven, eight year deal worth 20, $30 million a year. If your payroll is 115 million instead of 50, 60 million, you can afford to pay that guy back because he's not eating up half your payroll. You know? So that is one area where I do think the salary floor could potentially help small market teams, but ultimately I don't think it would change it all that much because in the end, the big market teams with the most money are still going to spend everybody. Cause I, I know people say about the salary tax and all that, Listen, teams have shown they don't care about that if they think they can win a championship or if they do care about it, it's very easy to manipulate it. And having a salary floor, honestly, would make it even easier for them to manipulate it because they can go out and find a team who 
is on the threshold of not hitting that salary floor and dump contracts on them and then in turn take that money and either spend it elsewhere or avoid getting hit with that luxury tax. Yeah, you see that in the NHL with the Arizona uh, Coyotes there. They're one of those teams that they kind of just take on dead money a lot just so they can make that salary um, floor. Uh, you know, I'm salary floor thing for me, I get what you're saying, Marty. The, the scary thing with that is if the salary floor is $75 million, Bob Bob and the other small market teams will spend 75 to $80 million. You know, and will they ever spend more than that? What's going to force them to spend more than that? You know, and, and obviously that's all part of this discussion. And that's why we're in a lockout right now because the system is very broken. But, you know, one thing that I am surprised we haven't really heard anything about, and I'm very interested um, to see if anything eventually does come out about this and, you know, kind of goes along with what we started to show with his inter- international signings and eventually moving to international draft system. Um, you know, this is something that was talked about last CBA. Um, you know, as more and more information has started to come out, you know, between Renee Gallo and the pirates and um, the Atlanta Braves and their issues and the Dodgers and their international, you know, sketchiness, you know, there's gotta be a way to more or less make, um, this process of signing international free agents more streamlined, more legitimate, and just more um, secure for everyone. Uh, you know, enough with the, the lying and the, you know, side deals and backdoor deals and manipulating of documents and ages. And, you know, let's just, let's get these guys into a draft system and, you know, I don't know. I just think it would be better for the game overall if we could just get them into a more stable system, just like we see here in the States. And I think like Marty said, we're not just talking about making it better for the pirates in that sense, but also just in general, making it better for baseball around the world. I think. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things with all of this is the international free agent market, is definitely one that can be very corrupt. Um, you know, I know some of you listening are going to get this. Some of you are not. It is a lot like AAU basketball. Um, it's who you know, and it's how much money you got, you know, and we see that a lot. And like you said, Nick, this isn't a pirate thing. This isn't even a team thing. This is a taking care of those kids thing and making yeah. sure they're set up for success. You put a draft in place and, you know, you can set the draft order the same as, you do the regular draft, however you want to do it. That is a mu- These kids need structure when they're trying to get into the States and get into professional baseball. And now, oh, thankfully, man. a lot of them have a lot of good role models and people like that around them. But for the ones who don't, who can be easy, easily manipulated and misled, the structure that a draft would give them would be extremely beneficial. Because again, like I said, it is entirely too much like AAU basketball, and that is not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, for those who don't, like, realize, you know, I don't even want to say don't realize, but we have to remember, you know, we see these guys signing, like, you know, Gordani De Los Santos, and we're excited, but, 
you know, and Marty, you kind of hit on this when talking about why they're not necessarily highly regarded prospects on list yet. You know, they're 16 years old. They are literally kids and they have these trainers slash agents down, um, you know, bringing them up. And basically these are the people they trust. And if they're being told one thing, you know, that chances are they're going to trust these people because they are, they are kids, you know, think back to when we were 16 in high school and, you know, our guidance counselor told us to take a class. Like there's a good chance we were probably going to take that class. Right. Because, that's what we were told to do. And that's by someone we were supposed to trust. And that's what you're seeing with this. And unfortunately, like, you know, who's checking these trainers and agents down there, you know, and I know they've done a lot to make the systems better down there between the Dominican baseball Academy and, and major league baseball. But, you know, I think it's something major league baseball needs to get more involved in and just, you know, help build up these areas and make it into a better system for everyone involved. No, so yeah, absolutely, Nick. I mean, <clears throat> you look, the old adage is, it always has been and always will be, you can't walk your way off the island. And for those who don't know what that means is one of the things a lot of kids who grew up in the Dominican playing baseball, any of the Caribbean islands is you, if you want to get off the island, you want to get to the States, you want to improve your life. And more importantly for a lot of these guys, the life of my family, you can't walk your way off the island. You've got to hit your way off the island. And by doing this, by having that mindset that a lot of these players who come out of the Caribbean have, and you can't fault them for it. It's like, Hey, I got to do whatever I can to get there and get that signing bonus. Cause once I get that signing bonus, my family's taken care of no matter where my career goes. And with that mindset, you're going to trust the people who are telling you what you want to hear. And like you said, Nick, especially at 15, 16 years old, if someone tells you, Hey, this team is going to give you 1.5 million, you're, you're like, sign me up. You're not, you don't want to hear anything else. And a lot of times these kids are getting misled and that sort of thing. And even though, like you said, Nick, things have grown leaps and bounds, it's never going to be possible to clean up all the corruption and all of that. And Yes, a draft wouldn't be perfect. Yes, a draft wouldn't fix everything, but it would go a long way towards what is doing what is most important in this situation, and that's making sure these kids have the structure they need and are set up for success as best as you possibly can set them up. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, it just feels like a dirty system. It feels corrupt. In 2022, we're still rocking with you know the connections and who knows who international. Like you said, Marty, I mean, all 30 teams can offer – these players life changing money, no matter where you go. So, you know, some of the advice can certainly, I think, be misleading for these players and everything else. And, you know, logistically, if nothing else, I think a draft would kind of help the marketing that that baseball has continued to try to, you know, put forward. I mean, think about how many teams, best player, how many superstars in the league right now are international players. We get on the list for hours, the last decade of guys, two decades, you know, and and on past that. So, you know, it's it's a big part of this game. And, you know, it's definitely uh, somewhat of a broken system, if nothing else. But guys, you know, hopefully we see some change here with this new CBA. Some change, not just internationally, but, you know, with some of the other rules of the game, potentially a, a salary floor and some others. Anything else you guys expect to come out of these meetings? Anything else we, we expect to see coming into 2022 following this, uh, this second lockout here within the past three years? Uh, one thing, you know, that we – didn't note that, you know, I wrote about earlier uh, this week was the automated strike zone being tested out at AAA. Um, this is something we've talked about, I'm pretty sure, on the show before. 
Um, and, you know, pretty much I wrote my frustrations in my piece of just, you know, hey, when you're watching the game and you're watching Pedro Alvarez and Gregory Polanco strike out on that lone away fastball that there's no way that he can reach, but because it looks perfectly painted, they're getting rung up. It gets really old really fast, and they're ta- the, the umps are taking the bat out of their hands at times, and it seems like it's happening more and more. And then you start to hear about this stuff with, you know, Manfred changing baseballs and how gambling's so involved in the sport now. Like, I think this is just for, for the betterment of the game to, at this point, um, you know, put something consistent into place, get the subjective judgment out of the game, because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I, looking back, you know, when I was younger, I was growing up during the NBA referee scandal, um, you know, and it, it wouldn't shock me one bit to find that out in any of the other sport leagues. So I think putting an automated strike zone in is definitely, um, you know, a, a safe call for the game. Yeah, especially, you know, we're in baseball, there might not be any aspect of sports. The officials can control more than umpires can with balls and strikes. So yeah, it's, I, I'm all for it. I've been a fan of Rod strike zone for a long time now as anyone who follows our Twitter or reads what I write knows. Um, I know the players aren't going to like it, but you know, I think it's something if you're if looking back on it as you know, the, old, the old baseball players, yes, it sounds kind of frustrating, but when you realize, you know what, I don't have to spend this entire game trying to read this umpire and figure out his strike zone. And by the time I finally get it figured out, he starts calling something differently. The fact that the strike zone will be called consistently is if anything, if I was a pitcher, I'd be livid about this. Cause some of those days where, you know, Hey, you know what? This umpire is giving me this pitch and inch off the plate. I'm going to sit out there all day long. Those days are going to be gone. So, I mean, if, you, if you're a hitter, I think this has to be positive news because you're going to be able to have that consistent strike zone know what is and isn't a strike, and it'll make your bats a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, you know, just get it right, I think, ultimately. I was kind of in the camp of, you know, keeping the the human umpire for balls and strikes. And, you know, the more you think about it, why not get it right? If we have the technology, you know, why not do that? I think replay gets some backlash because of the process, how long it takes at times. With balls and strikes, you could have it instantly. I I just don't see why not. Um, You know, the umpire still be there to call out and safe at the plate. So I think, you know, it's time at this point. And, I completely understand the other point of view. I mean, you know, it's the most traditional American uh, professional sports still. And it's, you know, a traditional uh, part of the game to have an umpire back there. So we'll see how that shakes out. Really excited to see it in AAA coming up here soon. Really just excited to see how this shakes out, guys. I mean, this week, you know, could be the the week that changes everything for the 2022 season. So we're going to have to keep you guys updated as we get the news tomorrow. But guys, your final thoughts as we close it out here on episode number 74. No, not much. I mean, I think what's most important what's most important to me is that the sides are finally meeting, the sides are finally talking. Um, yeah, that that's a step in the right direction towards us getting this resolved. Like I said, I expect it all along at some point in February, most likely they would get these hammered out and you know, let's get to it. There's twenty inches of snow in my yard right now. <laughs> I'm all for baseball season. Um the guy who I coached with uh, Sunday afternoon was refing my oldest son's basketball game. And I was talking to him at halftime. That's what he and I both said. So this weather's nuts. Let's get over this. Let's get baseball season. Let's get the kids out there. Let's get rolling. So yeah, let's, let's get this solved. Let's get some sunshine. Let's get some baseball. 
Yeah, Marty, I have to agree with you. I'm excited uh, for the two sides to meet and, you know, see where this goes. And, you know, overall, I think I just want to mention that baseball, it's locked out right now, but there's still stuff going on. There's still plenty to talk about. There's still, you know, other news pieces and notes coming along the way. So I think that does kind of show you that, you know, people do care about this sport and people do want what's going to be best for this game. And as much as, you know, we hear that baseball is a dying game, um, you know, I think, I think you still see the, the, the amount of attention and caring that is into the sport or else, you know, these sports are, you know, people want to be still reading our website. People want to be interacting with us on Twitter. So, you know, thank thank you to all of our followers who are still, you know, here and, you know, striving to learn and get ready for this upcoming season because, you know, whether it's in a couple months or if it's in, you know, like Marty said, uh, 20 or 30 days, um, you know, there will be a 2022 season and hopefully it'll be a good one, uh, a good step forward for the Pirates. Yeah, yeah r- real quick, one more thing <clears throat> I have to add, just put off that, Nick. Um, the last two years, last two calendar years obviously have been insane. Um, Nick can attest to this when COVID first hit and baseball was shut down, we were freaking out over what was going to happen at the website. And 2020 was the most successful year in run butter history. And then 2021 came out and was even more successful. And we're off to a great start this year, even with the lockout. And we had the best December in site history again, despite the sport being locked out. But yeah, that, goes to our great staff that we have for the work they do. Most importantly, that goes to everyone out there who listens, who reads, interacts. We thank you. We could not be more appreciative of it, especially when baseball has been anything short of normal the last two years and the Pirates have been hot garbage the last two years. <laughs> Definitely been, yeah, a trying couple <laughs> years, but we're trying to give you guys, you know, the most optimistic content we can. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a crazy couple of years. It's been a tough few years on top of it for the Pirates, like you said, but. You know, we we uh we keep it positive here at Rum Buncher and and like like you guys said, we cannot appreciate you enough for just getting on here and interacting and you know wanting to learn about this team that's had their struggles. And I've, I've said it from the jump. You know, I, I think as Pirates fans, struggles are obviously going to come, but you know, being a part of this this process and being you know here for the lows and watching the rebuild is is just as fun. You know, is is when they get into the playoffs and they start to win because you you really see it come to fruition. Uh, like you guys said, I mean, you know, thank you for the support, everybody coming on to the show. And, you know, for Pirates, Pirates Twitter in general, it's I think it's, a, you know, it's an incredible community. And, um, you know, I, I'd love to see people continue to come together into 2022 here and, you know, kind of figure all this out together and, um, you know, rally around this team. But, uh, you know, looking forward to, to what we have to come. Baseball's dying potentially, Nick. I don't think it's dying, but, you know, I think it's changing, if nothing else. And, um, you know, this this week, these next few weeks could really you know, make some lasting changes. So excited to see how it all goes. Guys, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Rumbuncher. Be sure to go to rumbuncher.com. We got a ton of content out right now, even though there is still a lockout. We got articles breaking down these international signings, breaking down what's to come for the rest of this 2022 and the lockout, of course, as well. You can find our podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, Omni.com, Fansided.com as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, be sure to hit the like button on our show to help us keep growing, 
getting you guys the best coverage uh, in all of Pirates baseball. For Nick Caparoso and Marty Leap, my name is Trey Anity. Guys, stay warm out there. Shovel some snow for me. We'll talk to you soon. Let's go, Bucks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.